0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. But this morning, as you can see behind me, we are starting a new series called Courageous Prayers. Everyone say, Courageous Prayers. This is a, really an extension of our last series, which was Essentials, whereby we looked at the things that are essential in order to have an ongoing relationship with Jesus. And we touched on four areas in particular. We looked at the church, we looked at the Bible, we looked at prayer, and we looked at fasting. But we really skipped over the prayer aspect, and so I want to pick up the prayer component over these next three weeks. We're going to be looking at uh, three prayers that you need great courage to pray. And the reason I say courage is because there are some prayers that are biblical, are needed, are required, and do have God's blessing on that are easier to pray than others. And those prayers might go, bless me, Lord. Nothing wrong with that prayer. It's in the Bible, but it's a lot easier to pray than the prayers we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks. Heal me, Lord. Give me, Lord. All biblical prayers, but if we're honest, they're easy to pray, And they're the prayers that we go to. They are our go to prayers. You know, bless me, Lord. Give me, Lord. Prosper me, Lord. Nothing wrong with them, but they are safe and they are easy. We're going to be looking at ones that aren't so easy to pray. Hence why we need courage to pray them. So if I say courage one more time. Fantastic. I'm getting you to talk now because it's probably going to get very quiet in here as we go and that's not going to be a bad thing. But today, by way of our first part of this series, we're looking at Search Me. Search Me. Everyone say, Search Me. If you would, turn with me to Psalm 139, which is a bit of a life verse of mine, Psalm 139. And I want to read the last two verses of that chapter, verse 23 and 24. This is David praying. David prays this Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What we need to understand about this particular psalm is who it was written by and when it was written. It was David, that young shepherd boy that took on Goliath. You know the story of David and Goliath? This is the young boy that wrote that psalm. However, he wrote it when he was much older. His enemies were accusing him of doing the wrong thing, having a bad attitude and more hurtful, having the wrong motives. And so instead of David just saying, they're all wrong, what would they know? They don't understand. David prayed a dangerous prayer. He didn't just gobble up the accusation, but he didn't just ignore it. He took the accusation to God and he prayed this dangerous prayer. One more time, if I say dangerous. Dangerous. This prayer that we're gonna look at today is giving God permission to search out the hidden things in our lives. I went to the dictionary and looked up the word search. It simply means this, to try to find something by looking or otherwise seeking carefully and thoroughly. This is a thorough prayer. This is a prayer that we need to pray carefully and thoroughly. I don't know if any of you can think back to your childhood or maybe as parents with young kids, you may have played the game Hide and Seek. Has anyone here either been a child playing Hide and Seek or an adult that's played Hide and Seek? Anyone? Everyone knows the game Hide and Seek. Well, the nature of the game of hide and seek is basically for someone to hide and then someone go on a careful, thorough search for that which is hidden. Would that be fair to say? Is that a good description of the game? And so if uh, your kids are anything like my kids, and let's be honest, my kids probably did just what I did when I was a kid, is that we'd go and hide and there they go, they go and hide. And I count as the dad, and I count to 10. I actually count down from 10, 10, 9, 9, coming, ready or not. And most of the time, what gave our kids away was the fact that they were giggling and laughing. You could hear them, which is quite cute. And so you just play along. I wonder where they are. I wonder where they are. Oh, they're not behind the cupboard. No. And the, you know. I wonder if they're behind the bin. No. And then you come to where they actually are. You get on your knees and you look under the bed because that's where all kids hide. And you say, I found you. And if your kids are anything like my kids, this is what they did. They would shut their eyes and figure that because they couldn't see you, You couldn't see them. And so in their mind, they thought the game was still going, but the game was well and truly over because they'd been caught, they'd been found out. Just because you can't see someone doesn't mean they can't see you. And, And I feel like that little picture that I've given you of our family represents a lot of what we do with God. We have things in our life that are hidden And because we refuse to look at those things in our life that are hidden, we feel no one can see them, least of all God. But what you need to understand about the crux of this prayer of David is he had a revelation about God in order for him to pray this prayer. And if we are gonna pray this dangerous prayer, it must be on the foundation that David had of who God is. And in the very same Psalm, Psalm 139, verse seven, it goes on to say this, David says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my depths in the bed, you are there. And if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness, my translated version is, if I shut my eyes tight enough, Surely, if the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The light will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. This is the revelation that David had in order to pray the prayer he prayed in verses 23 and 24. He had a revelation that God was an omnipresent God. The word omnipresent simply means he's everywhere all at once. And so when you try and hide things from God, um, there's no hiding. Remember way back in the Garden of Eden, the very first human beings that came to planet Earth, Adam and Eve, it said they sinned and then they tried to hide from God. And the Bible uh, tells us that they hid behind the bush. But here's the thing, when you're dealing with an omnipresent God, there is no behind. Because if you go behind the bush... Let's pretend this pulpit's a bush. If I go behind the bush, God is there. So behind is not behind to God because he's there. And then if you want to get cute and say, you know what? I'll go in front then. Guess what? There's no front to God because God is there. And if you say, you know what? I'm going to go over to the east. Uh, There's no east for God because he is there. Say, well, I'll go to the beach and I'll go west. Uh, There's no west because God is there. You say, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'm going to submerge myself under the water. <laughs> and we're sitting there. And God says, are you done yet? <laughs> no, no, He's still there. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I'll do. I'll get a high ladder and I go as high as I can. And God goes, I'm still there. Yeah. David's prayer came out of a revelation that you can't hide yeah. Yeah. from God. He is there. There's no behind the bush. There's no in front of the bush. There's no to the left of the bush. There's no to the right of the bush. He's just wherever you are. Where you be, He is. Which is a little life lesson for those who are trying to run away from God. Like Jonah did in the Old Testament. He got on a boat and sailed in the opposite direction where God had told him to go. God was there. God creates a little storm. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but if I was God, I would do it all kind of crazy ways. Woo, just, and, and then they recognise it's actually because of Jonah that the storm is, so they throw him out. And Jonah's sinking and a whale comes along. And guess who's in the whale? God. It's just crazy. God was in the boat. He was in the storm. Now he's in the whale. He's everywhere. And David had an understanding that we are dealing with an omnipresent God. You can't run and you can't hide because He's there. He's ever present in our lives. And so with this revelation, David prays that God would search three areas of his life. Want to know what they are? This is a dangerous prayer. Are you ready for it? The first area that David asks God to search is his heart. He says, Search my heart. Why would he pray this prayer? After all, God knows our heart. God is all knowing, so why bother praying this prayer when God knows? I'll tell you why. Because it's not about what God knows, it's about what God wants to reveal to us. Remember going back to the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? They were hiding behind the bush. And God asked this question. He says, Adam, 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 where are you? Now, at that moment, you need to understand this was not a question based on geography. God knew exactly where he was. This was not like, oh my gosh, we've lost Adam. God is not like a parent like we are. Are there any parents out there, if you want to be really honest, that you've lost your kids? Is there anyone who said, yeah, I've actually lost, Lisa, boom, yes. Um, if we're honest, we've got three kids, and if you were to ask me, have, have, when you say you lost your kids, well, that's just one of them, now I'm going to be really vulnerable, we've lost all three of our kids. And if I'm going to be really open with you, which I like, plan to be, we've not only lost all three of our kids, we've lost all three of our kids at different times, many times over. <laughs> to my shame. That's not even counting the times I've just left them at church and totally forgotten them. (laughs) I I cannot tell you the times I've driven home, got out, like, oh, kids, back to church. (laughs) At least they're in a safe environment, yeah? No, this is one person waiting to lock up. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Forgotten our kids. So when God says to Adam, where are you? He's not having one of those moments that I've had as a parent. He's all-knowing. He knows exactly where Adam is. But what he's trying to do is help Adam locate where he's at. So the question could be translated, Adam, where are you at? Because just yesterday, Adam, I came into the garden in the cool of the evening and we talked and we walked together. That's what we did yesterday. And if I go back in time, Adam, the day before that, guess what? I came in the call cool of the evening and we walked and we talked together. And the day before that, we walked and we talked together. The day before that, we walked. We had this incredible relationship, and this pattern. and this It was just really sweet. And I've come down today to do exactly the same thing. And something shifted, Adam. Adam, what's shifted? What's changed? I remember as a kid growing up, one of the things my dad used to do is get us three boys in the van after he'd finished work and we'd go down to the paddocks and we'd play cricket. Cricket in the summer, play a little bit of football, soccer in the winter. But cricket was kind of the memory that I have most, probably because the weather was better. And we would play cricket. And, you know, I remember as a kid just couldn't wait for my dad to get home. Because, man, when dad gets home, we're going to go down to the paddocks and we're going to play Cricket. But I never forget the time when I had done something I shouldn't have done. And my mum said to me, you wait till your father gets home. And I can distinctly remember that particular night, not wanting my dad to come home at all. The day before, I couldn't wait for dad to be home because we were going to go down and play cricket. But on that night, just 24 hours later, I didn't want dad to come home. What changed? Something shifted and it wasn't in my dad, it was in me. It was something that I did that caused a distance between me and my dad. And 24 hours earlier, I couldn't wait for dad to come home. 24 hours later, I didn't want him to come home. What changed? And that's what's going on here in Adam and Eve's life. Adam, what's changed? What's shifted? This all-knowing God is trying to help Adam locate where he's at. And then he, he pokes out from behind the bush. And God's, ah, there you are. That moment was no different to us as parents when our kids are hiding and they're laughing. We know exactly where they are, but we're waiting for them to come out and show themselves. And He goes, "Uh, I, I hid because I'm naked. And God's like, wow. God's thinking. You were naked yesterday. You were naked the day before. You were naked the day before. That, that he says. Um, who told you you were naked? And then he says, you haven't been eating from that tree. I told you not to. Have you? And Adam, in true human nature, he doesn't say. Yeah. He goes, ah, oh, that woman. He blames the woman. And all the women said, Yeah, amen to that. (laughs) He doesn't own, he blames. God is trying to help locate where he's at. And his answer is an answer that is keeping a distance, not bringing him closer. And so God asks another question to the woman. He goes, What have you done? Looks at the woman and says, What have you done? And all the men said, yeah, i amen to that. What have you done? And she goes, she doesn't say, well, it's true. I took a bite of the apple. I gave it to my husband. She doesn't say that. She blames a snake. It's human nature. Just to blame and point the fingers. And so when we say, search your heart, Yes, God knows our heart, but this is a prayer for God to reveal to us where our heart is. See, our understanding of our heart is that it's a good heart. I've got a good heart. You've got a good heart. We've all got a good heart. But that's not what the Bible says. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it actually says, the heart is is deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure. I mean, these are strong words. He says, who can understand it? I the Lord search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve the truth is our hearts aren't as good as we think they are the truth is we all deceive people we're all liars by nature but the most common lie we tell is ones we tell true. um this is a classic one, I don't eat that much. You know, I've had so many people come to me over the years because they know I have a, a love and appreciation for health and, and looking after self, doing a bit of exercise, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So people all often come to me and say, hey, what could I do? I'm going to lose a few. And uh, by lose a few, I'm assuming they mean kilos. And, and so, <coughs> not children, <laughs> but just... <laughs> I'm lose a few. And so, this is the first thing I do. I get them to do an order on what they're eating and I say... I want you to write down everything you eat this week. And they look at me like, oh, what's the point of that? I don't eat much. That's not the problem. I said, that's fine. I'm sure it's not. I've learned to say I'm sure it's not. But how about, I'm not asking you to think about what you've eaten this week. Let's start from this day. Let's write down today, when you leave, what you eat. And sure enough, in a week or two's time, when I meet with them again, this is the expression. I never knew how much I ate. And it's worse than that. I never knew how much junk food I ate. And I would have said that I have a little bit of soft drink, sure, who doesn't? But oh my gosh, I drink gallons. And you know what that moment does? It helps locate where they're at. And now they can get the help. See, when God reveals, here's the good thing, He wants to heal. Whatever God reveals, He wants to heal. And that's why David was able to ask search my heart. What about this one? This is one lie we tell ourselves, I'm only going to eat one chocolate. How many of you said that last night watching a movie? I'm only going to eat one. I mean, Kath and I have done this. We sit down, we watch a movie and and we're disciplined people. We are. And we say, you know what? We buy a block of chocolate and and you know what? We're going to open it, but we're only going to eat one row. That's all we're going to eat. We're only going to eat one row. Seriously, you eat one row. I'll eat one row. We'll put it in the fridge, and you know what? There'll be plenty left for tomorrow. We're going to have another movie the next night, and there'll be plenty for the next night. It'll be great. And we, we are so deceived. We look at each other. and like, Yep, yeah, good deal. We actually think at that moment we are just going to eat one row. We're just going to eat one row. That's what we're going to do. And you know what? This is what it starts. We, we break off the one row, and I, I give it to my wife, and, and I break off another. I, I put it there, and I wrap it up, and I put it in the box and leave it there. And I, we're not going to touch it. We just eat them And I don't know what happens, but. I'm not sure what happens next. I'm not sure. It's a blur. Every time, it's just like a blur. But when the credits are going up and the film's finished, I grab the boxing and I'll put that in the fridge and and it's empty. And before God, I don't know how it happened. I can only assume the dog somehow. During the film, grabbed it and so I I rip into him. So that that dog you gave me, Lord, I'm going to... I know that's just Kath and I, because you'd never do that, because you're so holy and pure, and it's just Kath and I that deceive ourselves and lie to ourselves, because we're only going to have one chocolate, but somehow the whole bar's gone, and what's even more disturbing is when there's two blocks, and so somehow I got up and got another one out the fridge, I don't even remember doing that, but it started with a deceptive, I'm just going to have one chocolate we tell ourselves all kinds of lies and David says search my heart O God I've told this story before but it kind of is my greatest memory of our 16th anniversary as a church and it's to my shame to be honest and some of you will know where I'm going with this because you've heard it before but on our 16th anniversary I shared this message that I entitled because it's very relevant to where a lot of people are at I entitled it God I love, but the church I can't stand. Or it's people I can't stand. And when I first shared that title, it resonated with everyone in the room. It was, like, oh, so true. Wow. And then because of the response, I kind of got carried away. I've got to be honest with you. And I said, actually, do you want to know what I was going to call it? And they're like, yeah, tell us. And so I blamed the people. And I said, I was going to call it, this, this and this, and, and I used a word that is not appropriate for church or it's not appropriate and I wouldn't want my children using it. And so it was just wrong. But our church being the church it that like, oh, that's so, yeah. and, I said, and I thought, well, this is great. I said, actually, I was, I was just letting, do you want to really know what I was going to call it? So I, I just actually used another word too, as a feeler. And then I thought, oh, they actually want to know. So I shared what I was really going to say. And then I just, I felt this conviction. But I had to preach, so I kept myself busy considering I'm a man of God, I'm under pressure at times, so these things happen, and so I've just got to do the job, and so I preached, and, and uh, I, I shook everyone's hand until there's no one in the uh, auditorium, and then I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'll make some pastoral phone calls. Hey, how you doing? Just thinking of your praying for you, how you going? How's those kids? We don't have kids, oh. <laughs> You know, just talking away. <laughs> oh, by kids I meant dog, oh, yeah, I knew you had a dog. <laughs> and, and I'm phoning people, and, I, and I'm sensing that they're on the other side going, why is Tony ringing me on a Sunday afternoon? Tony never does that. I'm sensing that, but I'm just ignoring every... St- hey, how you doing? How you doing? Let's get a coffee. Yeah, hi. Right. And so I kept myself busy enough till church at night and, and I was preaching again, so I preached and I got through that. I'm, oh, God, 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 come, come. Don't come too close to come. And, you know, got through all that, shook the last hand and then I was lying in bed that night. You can run but you can't hide. And I imagine from God's perspective that day, he's looking down from heaven going, what is Tony doing? Why is he making those phone calls? I don't know, why is he making those phone calls? And and I think uh, I sense, uh, I have a humoristic take on the Bible more often than not, kind of like a Monty Python version of the Bible whenever I read it. And I see God like trying to break in my day. Tony, I want to... Tony, Tony, I'd love to have a chat... I want to talk to you about something. I just t- stop making those pastoral care calls. I want to talk to you. Stop disguising your sin with religion. I just want—I just want to talk to you. He's still making those calls. <laughs> but at night, when it's just me and God, I'm just—I just, just know—I just know what's coming. It was one of those moments. That mum said many times over, wait till your father gets home. I knew when I went to bed, when dad meets with me, when my heavenly father (laughs) meets, I'm in trouble. And I was undone. I didn't fight it, I just gave in. I said, Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. And I'll never forget what took place because that week, Sunday couldn't come quick enough because I just wanted to get before the people and apologise because I needed to. And what scared me most is that no one corrected me. Everyone loved it. I'm like, it's that bad. And so I just wanted to take it off the table. And so I did that. And to this day, what took place in and around the communion time was one of the sweetest communion moments I've ever been involved in. And I'm just so grateful to God that he interrupted my stupidity and my sin. And it's moments like that that helped me receive what God wants to give me. See, God didn't want to tell me off. He wanted to reveal something so he could heal something, so he could take me further in the journey. And so whatever God is doing in our life today, don't run from it. Don't run. Because you can't run from God. It's an incredibly courageous prayer to pray, search my heart but it's incredibly rewarding at the same time. When we pray this prayer, He will show us things about us that are not pure, that we don't like, that if we're honest are a little bit embarrassed about and ashamed of. But here's the cool thing, when He shows you those things, He shows you them with love and if you'll receive what He shows you, you'll be able to make the adjustment in your life and your understanding of how gracious and loving God is goes to a whole nother level. And David knew this because David messed up pretty bad. And yet he goes down in history as a man after God's own heart. David murdered an innocent man. He committed adultery. He was addressed by the prophet at that time. And David was king. David could have had that prophet put to death. He could have said, uh, Shh, but he said, I'm undone. And he wrote Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart. And David, for all his sin and all his mistakes, he went down in history as a man after God's own heart because he never covered his sin. He let God reveal it So that he could give his sin to God, and God could deal with it. It's a courageous prayer, but it's a rewarding one. He not only says, search my heart, but he also says, search my head. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Question, what is it that makes you most anxious? And by anxious, I mean, what's the thing you're consistently and constantly thinking about? What's the thing you nurse and rehearse? What's your greatest fear? What's your greatest worry? And I'm not talking about spiders and snakes and cockroaches and those things. They may be a part of that, but I'm talking about the the big weighty things, the things that that really grip you, that you lose sleep over, that you lay awake at night thinking about over and over and over again. Maybe you're afraid of losing your job. Maybe you're afraid of not getting married. I mean, you're all of 21 and you feel like you've been left on the shelf, God forbid, and you're like panicking. Hey, if this keeps up, I'll never get married. And it's a thing you're always thinking of. Maybe it's a wayward child and and, and, will they ever come back to God? Will they ever get right? Or will they ever this or will they ever that? It's a thing that consumes our thinking. Maybe it's a fear of the future. Maybe it's a fear of failing. Maybe it's a fear of death. This is really important because to quote Craig Rochelle, what we fear the most is where we trust the least. What we fear the most highlights to us, helps locate what we trust or where we trust the least. Example, if you're afraid of money not coming in to pay the bills, that shows we're not trusting God in the area of His provision. If we are afraid of how we may be perceived by the people if we fail, then we are not trusting him enough to take care of our mistakes. In 1 John 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. David prays, search my heart, search my head. Where am I not trusting you, Lord? Where is fear and worry and anxiety gripping my mind? Don't justify it. Give it to God and begin to trust again. Thirdly, he says, search my hurts. Our heart, our head and our hurts. See if there is any offensive way in me. In other words, show me anything about my life that is inconsistent with your truth. See, this is what I know for myself, and I probably speak on behalf of everyone here. But it's really hard to see my own sins, especially when you're hurting. On the flip side, it's really really easy to see everyone else's sins. Have you noticed that? When you're hurting, it's hard to see your own sins. Because you justify how you feel because of what they've done. And the moment you point the finger at what they've done, you're guilty of judging when that's God's place. So you're equally as guilty. But we can't see that because in our thinking, they've done far worse to us. We tend to excuse or accuse, sorry, others, but excuse ourselves. Have you noticed that? We accuse others, but we excuse ourselves. This is a game-changing prayer. Because we're giving permission to God to point out sin in our life. Here's three great questions to ask ourselves. What are others trying to tell you? And by others, I don't just mean anyone. I mean people that you're accountable to, that love you, that want the best for you. What are they trying to tell you? Secondly, what have I rationalised for some time? In other words, I, yeah, I do that, but it's not a big deal. I do it, but I could stop that anytime I want. You know, chapel service, someone shouted, I don't lie, I just have white lies. And I smiled, and I didn't mean to expose her, but I think most of us have thought that at some time. There's no such thing as a white lie in the Bible. And so we're rationalizing sin away to a white lie. We've become God of our own lives and call this something that God doesn't call it. There's no such thing as white lie in the Bible. So what have we rationalised for some time? And thirdly, where am I most defensive? Where do I get my back up and say, stop it, we're not talking about that anymore. That's enough. When we pray this prayer, God will point out some things that we've been trying to explain away for some time. And can I say, when he does that, don't deny the truth because denying the truth doesn't stop at being the truth. Submit to what God is showing you and he'll bring it to light. See, the Bible says that we need to confess our sins, but it says we need to confess our sins in two areas. The first one, it says, confess your sin to God and he is faithful and just to forgive us. Of our sins, So when you confess your sins to God, you receive forgiveness. And when we've sinned, that's what we need. Primarily, we need forgiveness. But when we confess our sins to others, we get our healing. Confess your sins to God, forgiveness. Confess your sins to others, healing takes place. And we are people that are in desperate need of forgiveness and healing. If we don't get the healing, we're going to live hurt lives. And hurt people hurt people. Hurt people always find each other. It's amazing the churches that get started out of hurt people getting together. They get together out of what they don't like about someone or something. That's that's their commonality. Not out of what they are for, but what they are against and who they don't like. And what they didn't like about that. Churches all around the world get started like that. And it's not godly. And if we could be bold enough or audacious enough and courageous enough to pray this prayer, it could stop that. It could stop that. But again, it's not a safe prayer. I did say that at the beginning, didn't I? It's going to take courage. It's going to take strength. Just to silence your own accusations and let God speak to you to be able to hear Him need the band to come up, that'd be great. David prays three areas. Search my heart. Search my head. Search my hurts. And if we left it at that, it's pretty sobering. Not a lot of hope. But then he prays one other prayer. He says, be my help. Be my help. It says, lead me in the way everlasting. David was basically saying, Lord, in light of all my inadequacies, in light of all my weaknesses, in light of all the times I've stuffed up and messed up, in spite of all the times I did something that I said I'd never do again, and I've done it again and again. And again, will you be my help? Will you lead me? Will you help me? See, today, it's not a point of thinking time. It's us locating where we're at. And we're all as bad as each other. Let's be honest. We really are. The only difference between my example of the chocolate and what I'm talking about now is the, chocolate's less, the chocolate is less damning. But it's the same principle. And David, who'd been guilty of murder and adultery, he wasn't a good dad. He really wasn't. But he was able to take this prayer to God. On a daily basis, I believe. And receive what he needed. See, what God reveals, as I've already said before, he heals. See, this is what I know to be true. For whatever we're facing today, there is grace available for your situation. For your sin. For your circumstance. There's grace available. There is grace to be received today for you. But that doesn't mean you will receive it. Because just as grace can be received, grace can be rejected. God's heart is that you would receive His grace today, but it does not mean that you'll receive it. But it's available if you want to. And in order for us to receive it, because you might say, well, I want to receive it. If I said to you, "Who who wants the grace that's on offer to be rejected? Who wants that? No one. But God has a thing called His ways. And in order for us to receive from God, We have to follow his ways. And if we don't follow his ways, the grace that we could receive is grace that ends up being rejected. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 says this those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace of God that could be theirs. The grace that you want could be yours today. That peace you crave the tiredness you've had from hiding from God and everyone else and the tax man and and, and whatever it is that you're hiding from, that lifestyle, you can have peace today. Grace can be received and grace can be rejected. And it has to do with the idols we cling to. When we think of idols, we think of golden calves and we think of religious iconic symbols. Most of us probably don't have that in our life. But the idols I think we face today are far more pertinent to us would be things like offense. There's an invitation to receive God's grace today. But in order to receive it, you've got to let go of something. You've got to let go of that offense. Because while you're holding the offense, you can't receive the grace. You just can't. You can't. You say, how do you know this stuff, Tony? Tony? I'll tell you why. Because in my hurt and my offense and my pain and my pride and my fears and my doubts and my insecurities, and I've got all of them, I know when I've prayed for God's grace when I'm still holding on to those things and what happens. And I know what happens when I let go of those things and I pray for God's grace and I know what happens. I've experienced both. And so I've made it a lifelong pursuit to pray this prayer on a daily basis. The first place I ever want to start is me. And so this is not a message. This is my life I'm pouring out. I know how cool churches can be. Believe me, I lead one. I get it. You say someone hurt you. Can I just say again, with all due respect, I get it. Anyone who's in a position of leadership knows that the leader cops the most. And so I get it. Someone's let you down. I get it. You've let someone down. here, yeah, I get it. I've let people down too. But they said something bad about me and it's not true. Hey, hey, whoa, I get it. And we leave churches to go to another church. It's going to happen again. See, when Paul had a thorn in his flesh, whatever that thorn was, I think it was a people problem because there's no greater pain than people pain. And Paul pleaded three times, this thorn be removed, it be removed, it be removed. And God says, nothing. And when he speaks, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul learned something that we can learn from today, that it's not the absence of the thorn, it's the presence of his grace. So we're praying the wrong prayers Get me out of here. Give me respite. That's fine, but there's something in your heart I want to deal with. And so a courageous prayer, a better prayer, is search my heart, Lord. Because I realize that person can come and that person can go. I can get married again or I can have different kids, whatever. Whatever you're facing. But the bottom line is, wherever you go, you be. Go to Queensland because it'll be better up there. Yeah, and you take you with you. Go to the Bahamas because, you know, whatever. But David says, search my heart. That's search my head, my stinking thinking. Gee, I suck at my thinking sometimes. Grace is available. And so I've learned the secret of not, not sinning. Oh my gosh, I wish I had. But I have learned the secret of God exposing my sin so I can live pure before human man. That I can receive the grace. Because it's the grace I need more than the removal of this thing or that thing. So will you stand with me? I'm going to close with us praying this prayer. And as we pray this prayer, I would love it to become a, something of a life verse. Something that we do on a daily basis before we look at Instagram, before we pick up the newspaper, before we make our lunches for the kids, but we would just get in that habit of getting in the presence of God. Say, good morning, Lord. Here I am. Search my heart, O oh God. See if there's any anxious thought." in me hey maybe Lord there's some offense Lord I give you permission to show me any offensive way in me and because I'm very ready to receive that there will be will you you leave me out of this will you help me because I need your help I'll say some of this and then I'll get you to repeat after me search me God And know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. It's the most freeing prayer that a man or woman can ever pray. But can I say, once we pray that, don't do it as a mantra. Don't do it out of sheer rhetoric. This is not a, Heart of God. this is a, a waiting moment. This is, God speak to me. Do an order on my life. And this is what I know. God is so caring. He's so kind. He's so loving. That whatever He does reveal, He wants to bring healing. He's not against me. He's for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? This is my confidence in praying this prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.